Dearest Heavenly Father, help us to trust you more. Help us to hear your voice, to follow your words, and to trust you with every fiber of our being. In your name, amen. There's some children's stories that when you hear them, they bring back memories. Today was not one of those. I'm sorry for Michael. I can only assume that as a teenager, his parents were encouraging him to go to boarding school. Because I can think of no other good reason to do that to a child. But a few weeks ago, Brian Vonderpowski shared a story, and he said that when he was young, he wanted a pet monkey. That brought back memories. You see, when I finished the seventh grade, my parents informed us that we were moving. We were living in the Collegedale area there in Tennessee, and we were moving not across town, not across the state, not across the country, but we were moving to Indonesia. And sure enough, we moved to the island of Java, to the city of Bandung, where we lived for the next two years. And as, you know, I felt the same way about the move. It's completely understandable. But as we were living there in Indonesia, we went to a market in the city of Jakarta, and there in the market, they had a monkey for sale. I, too, had wanted a pet monkey. And I got one. Her name was Peggy. I'm sorry if your name was Peggy. Also, um, in all fairness, my father named the monkey Peggy, and the person he named it after was also offended. (laughs) Peggy lived on an avocado tree in our backyard. We kept her on a leash, but with monkeys, you don't put the leash around the neck because when they jump out of the tree, that would be terrible. And so you put it around the waist, and Peggy was a naughty monkey. She would play with our dog, Buffy, who was named Buffy because he looked like a little buffalo. And Buffy would come, and Buffy, more than anything, wanted to be friends with Peggy, and he would come right up to the tree, begging her to come down, and she would come down just far enough to grab his tail and run back up the tree. She was a naughty monkey. One time she got loose and she went into the jackfruit tree, and I don't know if you've ever seen jackfruits or if you've seen a monkey throw them at you, but I have. Peggy was a naughty monkey. But it was good to hear that I lived the childhood of Brian Vonderpowski's dreams. I had a good childhood. Lots and lots of fun memories with my two older brothers playing, having an incredible time. It wasn't a perfect childhood. I was raised by humans, but it was good. We lived there in Tennessee, and the property we had was at the end of a cul-de-sac, and behind our house were woods as far as we could ever explore. We never got to the end of those woods, and we tried. 
We would go camping in those woods. We would build forts in those woods. We played in those woods. We slept out there. It was an incredible childhood. There aren't too many things, though, as spectacular as March 1993 when Collegedale got a Michigan-like blizzard. We got three feet of snow overnight. It was glorious. You see, that area is not built like this area. First of all, they weren't prepared for it. Second of all, it wasn't flat. The hills in my neighborhood, I told the one children's story about riding my bike down the hill that was so steep that when I slammed on the brakes, it popped both the tires. There were no cars driving in that blizzard. We grabbed everything that could slide on snow and we transformed that same hill into the ultimate sledding course you've ever seen with no competition from anybody else because no one was driving. Lots and lots of good memories. Memories are powerful. Memories have this ability to transport us to a different time and a different place. They have the ability to connect us with the past like nothing else. And our scripture reading talks about the power of memories. Remember this and recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the outcome from the beginning from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my purpose shall stand firm and I will fulfill my intention. Over and over again, God calls us to remember. But we can't remember everything. So what are we supposed to remember? Well, In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is again on the cusp of the promised land. And there he is with the children of Israel. And in this chapter, he talks about the importance of remembering. In verse 2, remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Verse 11, Take care that you do not forget your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes that I am commanding you today. And verse 14, then do not exalt yourself forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So what is it that we're called to remember? We're called to remember what God has done, what God has said. There are days where I wish that my boys could grow up with the childhood I had. In the days before internet, social media, back in the days when you had one phone line into your house. I don't know if I ever would like to go back to that. 
There were times where I was on the phone expressing my feelings to a girl, and unbeknownst to me, my brothers would get on the line and listen to every word. (laughs) And it's easy for us to say, oh man, if only we could go back to when things were better. If only we could go back to when things were simpler. But I hate to break it to you, there is no going back. We're not getting rid of the internet. We're not turning it off. We're not going to get rid of cell phones. And those woods my brothers and I played with, there's an end to them now. Because those same woods are full of different subdivisions, one after another. There is no going back. But this is the beautiful thing about remembering what God has done. Because the beautiful thing about remembering what God has done is remembering that He is incredible, He is powerful, and it doesn't matter what's around the corner because He can handle it. And so this is the beauty of instead of focusing on what used to be, focusing on what God has done. The other problem with focusing on what used to be is we tend to romanticize the past. I could also sit up here and tell you lots of stories of my childhood that I would not wish on my sons. Lisa Genova, in her book titled Remember, phenomenal book talking about how we remember and how it works And to form memories, there are three things that are needed. First of all, you have to pay attention. We're not always good at paying attention. We live in a world full of distractions, full of things trying to capture our attention. But if you don't pay attention, memories won't be formed. This is why sometimes when you leave your car someplace, if you do not pay attention to where you parked it, well, good luck finding it later. Because if you never pay attention, there is no memory to be made. Our memories aren't like video cameras recording everything, and we, if we can find the right thing, we can go back to it. No, if you don't pay attention, there is no memory. And if we're going to talk about remembering what God has done, we have got to pay attention to what God is doing. We don't always do that. It's easy to read through the Bible and say, mercy, God did some incredible things back then. I hate to break it to you, God still does incredible things. Each one of us sitting here is a testament to the fact that God is still at work doing incredible things. But we need to be intentional about paying attention to what God is doing. There are lots of different ways we can pay attention. The obvious one is journaling. Spend some time each day contemplating, writing down what it was God did that day. But maybe you're not a good student. Maybe you were like me where you got through your education by writing the least number of words possible on every assignment 
And the idea of journaling does not connect with your soul. It doesn't have to be a whole journal. Simply take a sheet of paper, write down your prayer requests, and then in the next column, write down the date they were answered and how God answered them. So that when you open up your Bible and that paper falls out, you can see a clear record of what God has been up to in your life. We need to pay attention to what God is doing. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in Him. The next step is encoding. It's not enough to just pay attention. If we don't take time to encode or to process those memories, we lose them. This is why people who have traumatic head injuries and so forth have trouble remembering the events around them because they weren't able to encode the memories. And although it made it into their short-term memory by paying attention, it then was lost and never made it into the hippocampus where the long-term memory is stored. How do we encode, though? Well, a lot of that actually happens while we sleep. We probably should take naps. Imagine what we could learn if we started taking more naps. I'm trying to convince my sons of this, and so far, only my wife is on board with me. (laughs) But rest is important. It's interesting that the two times the Ten Commandments are listed, both places the word remember is found in the Fourth Commandment. We're used to Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that's the one that we often go to because it's so poignant in talking about the fact that remember the Sabbath, implying that there would be people who would forget that one commandment. But interestingly enough, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you find the fourth commandment, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox, your donkey, or livestock, or resident alien that is in your towns. Your male or female slave may rest as well as you. And then verse 15, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Both copies of the Ten Commandments talk about remembering. What if we were more intentional about keeping the Sabbath as a day where we make sure we're encoding those memories? where we are taking that downtime, where we are resting and processing what it is that God has been doing in our lives to form those into memories. The last step for creating memories is recall. You see, when you first make a memory, it's like taking a machete and chopping through the jungle and making a path to where that is. But each time you go back to that memory, that path gets a little bit stronger. 
And in fact, if you go to that memory enough times, it will turn into a superhighway. It makes it really easy to find, really easy to get to. And so if we want to be able to easily access those memories, because we've all had instances in our lives where we know that we have memories and we can't quite access them. They're on the tip of our tongue, but we can't quite connect with what the memory is because we're searching our brains trying to find it. I know it's in there. That happens when we haven't been there enough and it's hard to find the trail. So recall. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says, but they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. If we really want to be remembering what God is up to. It's not just enough to pay attention. It's not just enough to make sure that we're encoding and processing. We also need to be telling other people what God has been doing in our lives. Not only for their sake, but also for our sake. So that those become the me- our go-to memories. Because you see, the children of Israel, every time they were faced with a crisis, they had the option of choosing which memory to focus on. They could remember what God had done by bringing them through the Red Sea, by giving them manna, by giving them water from all kinds of crazy sources over and over and over again. But instead, the memory they would go to was how those things weren't wanted in Egypt. And so over and over and over again, they would say, oh, if only we could go back to Egypt. But how often do we do the same? When we long for the past, it is implying that God has not brought us to where we are. When we long for the past, instead of focusing on what God has done, we're missing out on where he might want to take us. But there in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, or verse 3, sorry, is a verse that we're all very familiar with, but we're a lot more familiar with it from the New Testament. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order that to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Of course, we're familiar with this. When Jesus used this to fight back against Satan, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But here... Moses was reminding the children of Israel. Man does not live by bread alone. Our human needs aren't our only needs. They're also our spiritual needs. When they wanted to go back to Egypt, they were focusing merely on their physical needs and missing out on what God had in store for them. 
I don't know about you guys. But I'm tired of status quo. I'm tired of doing the same thing we've been doing already and it's still not working. I'm tired of wandering in the wilderness. I believe that Jesus is coming soon. And I believe that as long as we keep looking to the past, we are not going to move where he longs to take us. It's time for us, instead of focusing on how things used to be, focus on what God has done and what he longs to do. I believe the best is yet to come, but it will not be by our hands. Man does not live by bread alone. We have got to stop programming things where we can completely control it and where we have everything under control because that's not enough. We have got to start doing ministry, doing church, doing evangelism, so completely reliant on God. Because I don't know about you, but I've seen what we can do. And it's not enough. I'm ready to see what he longs to do.